0: We finished up um, on Hannah last week covered chapter one, but uh we did not really get into chapter two and have some prayers to say something about before we get into chapter the last part of the chapter. Um just by way of review leading into that, Hannah <clears throat> we saw as a godly trials and the problems of life. She looked to the Lord, she doesn't got bitter that that because she did not have a child her rival did those little we can't he's our that we saw song he is our help so she teaches us that the lord is our help and so we both well, our problems she did not have modern day medication modern day counseling all the things that we do it doesn't mean those things are always wrong but we don't have to have them. Bible is enough. The Lord is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. It's easier to deal with, but at the end of the day, all that really matters is can't Shows us that yes, yeah, it's enough. She gives us an example of understanding our relationship to family in relation to the Lord. That is, he is to be our first love, so she gives Samuel back. The Lord gives her a son. But she understands that uh, everything she has is for the Lord. Uh, she, along with other Jewish women, wanted a son because they want, they were looking forward to the Messiah. So this, uh, this, with Eli at the temple, and so we we're, were reminded uh, our relationship with our family is secondary to our relationship with the Lord. And that kind of then, re- true in her prayer, because it's the about this prayer, of the Lord for, which, she understands what Samuel is, it's that she's a steward, that Samuel is given to her. Lord, the Lord, uh, her, not her but she's all about praising the Lord, so when, when our attitude is right, I hope you're reading through these things, it's interesting. obviously is that. Does things for us. It is that we might praise His name. So we have testimony service. Whether it's any time, If the Lord does things for you, do you tell others? Do you uh, tell the brethren, tell the church, uh, other people? Because if you're not praising God when He uh, does things for you when he answers prayer if you're not exalting his name take you to his name. So if you're not doing that, then you're not accomplishing the very purposes that you've been saved for. You have heaven some so, you know, we see this again with uh, Hannah things think about the way she lived her life. But today we kind of turn to uh, a little bit darker uh now because we're, we're looking at Eli and his judgment from the Lord because he was an un- that I For us to confront our even though what would suffer for his uh, parenting, it's, Israel is at a low point spiritually. And let's let's stand and read the scripture a little bit, kind of get our uh, bearings on what's going on here. First Samuel chapter two, starting in verse twelve. We'll see the problem and then see what the Lord does about it. But in uh, verse 12, it says, Sons of Eli were worthless men. And I want to, i want you to, the very first thing I want you to look at is God's attitude towards Eli's son. He says they're worthless men. Uh, you're, 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 I think that's sons of Eli, which is a typical. It, it basically means a worthless person, a child of Satan. In some way very simple. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people that when any man offered sacrifice, that the priest's servant would come. That is, the, the, while the meat free found fork in his hand and would thrust into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all the support brought up the priest would take for himself. This they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. We'll see in a moment. That's not how they were to be fed. The Levites were to be fed from part of the sacrifices. But it was leftovers. After the fat had been burned away or boiled away, they had, they were to not eat any fat, just a clean part. And they wanted some of that fat. So they would just poke that thing in there, pull out whatever they pulled out was theirs. And that was not, that was, it was a sin that the Lord did not like that. Moreover, verse 15. Burn, was burned, the priest servant would come and take to the man who was sacrificing. So so sometimes it was boiled, sometimes it was of uh, uh, the altar he burned. Give meat for the priest for rose, for he will not accept meat. off. Oh. I want the leftovers, I want the best. Said to him, Well let them burn the fat first, which is what they were supposed to and then take as much as you want, he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. So this is like, these are monsters. Thus the sin of the young men were very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with them. So the Lord says, you are worthless men because you are eating food you're not supposed to eat. And again, I want you to think about how the Lord sees actions done that are not based Word of God, even though the world would say, what, well, who cares, what, what's the point? This is how the Lord sees it. Verse 18. Samuel, boy clothed in a linen ephod, and his mother used to take, make for him a little robe and take it to a meeting. Bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children by this woman, for the petition she asked of the Lord, so then they would return to their home. She conceived of more than three sons, two daughters, and the young man Samuel. Now, through verse that he kept hearing all the sons doing, they lay with women who Christ is so poor, but just because things all around them look a little bleak doesn't mean that the Lord's work can be uh, taken for granted, that the Lord's not doing things. And, and both in Israel, it's a reminder that just because things aren't looking good in our society or reminded about this, the Lord's will, we saw that last week, there's no obscure people, there's no obscure country, there's no obscure family or individual. We have to be faithful no matter where we are, whether it looks like we are being blessed or have any kind of ministry or any influence because our reward is in heaven. If we are honoring the Lord in our hearts, we're doing all that we need to do. And so we always have to make sure that we don't It's what? Why? I said, describes these men. He does not say that they are basically good people who have uh, difficult circumstances, You need our sympathy. There's no judge not, lest he be wow. you. Yeah. Well, they never saw his glory. They had no fear of God. They had no sense of their own sinfulness. So it's no wonder. That they become bored and unsatisfied with church, like might say, tabernacle service. They sought to spice things up, do things more in a more interesting some way. Some ways, some actions that were deplorable, and others, they were deplorable when they when they ate meat with fat on it. It was deplorable because God had said, No, that's not we we're supposed to do. It. So just because we, we see some sins. As worse than others, and, and there are obviously different types of sin and levels of sin. We always have to remember that when God says this thing is wrong, there's a good reason for that, and it is wrong. It's a sin against God, and you kind of see that here as well. In Leviticus 13: 3-16, uh, we see what's why this is wrong: that the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering to please the aroma. All fat is the Lord. That is, fat was considered to be the best, in a sense. And so it will, shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your You shall eat either fat or blood. And they were specifically looking for the fat to eat with their seed. And we understand that, you know, when you get a ribeye steak you get that ribeye, what makes it so good fat, right? And uh, so that's kind of the, the idea here. So they had no regard for doing things concerned with getting the crime cut. And even the worshiper here sometimes knew the law was being broken, but there's nothing they could do about it. And so we notice also that a large part of the blame is laid on their father. Uh, it's just, oh, in a red, but down in, starting in verse 27, a man is sent from the Lord to an unnamed man, a son of the Lord, to tell Eli that the Lord has seen, raise your children, not correct them. Again, the, the thing to see here is that sins that we excuse bad discipline. We we're not. We don't make sure children understand right is wrong. We don't teach them about the Lord. That this is not an option. This is not something, well, you know, it, it, everybody has own no way of doing things. No, the Lord says, Eli, because you've done this, they're going to die. You know, you can't overemphasize that. When you do what is wrong and you know This is how the Lord sees it. I just think that's extremely important because it's so easy for us to take our cues from the world or from just being lax. And because just being holy is difficult, being God is training your children, right? You parents, all all the parents here know that takes work. It takes dedication. It takes saying no to the flesh. The flesh doesn't want to put often. But also to the Lord. And if you see that here, the Lord doesn't is not, is not put in around. Us. We'll see the result of a bad parenting in our now there's no blaming the social and economic conditions of somebody else. Eli the Lord says if you are part of you will not Electric children. They weren't raised properly. He never told them no. He didn't discipline them. And even as adults, Eli should have said, Well, t- under the law, his sons should have been stoned to death, because they were adulterers, and not just adulterers in private, but right there at the temple door. He should have had them stoned to death, but at least removed, right? And he wouldn't do that. You know, oh, he would go up to him and say, hey, you know, you guys really shouldn't be doing that. And the Lord says, no, that's not, that's not enough. And so, it goes back to what we said about each canon and family. The Lord is our family. We're in His family. Earthly ties end at death. As important as they are, your, your ties with the Lord direct how you interact with them your family here on earth and uh, we're seeing this here he was a bad father he had raised worthless men and all of them them were being blamed by the Lord it's certainly not hard then to apply this to ourselves even those who preach and teach and lead uh, they might not be converted these men were in the Lord's service they were not converted and How do you know? Well, the actions will speak louder than words often. And this is certainly the case here. Mm -hmm. And if your religion, even if you're the pastor of the church, if your religion is just creeds and deeds and rites and words, but isn't about a transformed heart, then there's something wrong. And so we notice, starting in verse 18, down to 26, that while all this was happening with Eli's son, the Lord is quietly... Readying the, su- the solution here with Samuel, we're kind of seeing the downfall of one family for being unfaithful, but the Lord raising up somebody else. As we uh, said before, any of us, including me, can leave this church, and the Lord's work continues to go on. Right? The Lord will raise up Samuel in this case to take the uh, place of other bad leadership, and so that's what He's doing here. But that's a good thing. It, it, it's discouraging sometimes when the Lord disciplines and it does stuff like that. But at the same time, it's encouraging because we know that the Lord's doing His work and He's purging our lives. He might be purging the church, whatever, but the Lord's work continues to go on. And certainly that's always encouraged, especially for, I think, the pastor, to realize that no matter how sometimes things don't seem to be working out the way I would like to see, the Lord is taking care of these things. And, uh, even when it looks like the kingdom of Satan might be dominating things, we know that the Lord's kingdom, at this point, someday the Lord will come and his kingdom will be on earth as it is in heaven, right? But uh right now, the Lord's kingdom primarily works in a subversive way. It's that yeast in the, the dough. It is spreading secretly. And the world doesn't see it because they they see that maybe the outward glitzy church or in China, the church is... is underground and they they might think that they're you know suppressing the church but the Lord's work keeps going on in these in a covert way and, and it's important for us to realize that so that we don't be discouraged that we continue to be faithful I was reading about uh, there was uh, some bombing raid by some Americans in World War with some b-17s and the Germans sent up some anti-aircraft uh, missile type things uh, and they, the the bombs penetrated the gas tank. Several of the bombs penetrated the gas tank of the B 17, but it exploded. So you thought, well, they dodged, what happened? So they get down and they take, start taking the engine, the gas tanks apart, and they pull out these, uh, uh, bombs, unexploded bombs, whatever they were, little type things. And they were empty, and there was no powder in them. And one of them had a note, by, of course, a, Germany had taken over Czechoslovakia and forced them to build these things. And there was a note in it saying, what's all we can do right now? You know, so I thought, what a great story. But, but you know, so the Lord is taking care of the people, right? Even in World War II, in that particular claim that God was taking care of people. And that's how the Lord works. And uh, to me, that's encouraging. And so we see the condemnation of the one family the blessings of the other. Um, and and then, this man who comes in verse 27, and, uh no, sorry, excuse me, Eli, is, is. he does uh get after his sons there, starting in verse 22. And he makes an interesting comment in verse 25. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. Because you've got God, right? You've you sinned against a man, you've got God, you can mediate. But he says, you guys are sinning against the Lord, and who can intercede for it? You know, him, because there's, there's, you know, well, who else? You, you've got the Lord. Who's going to be a mediator between God and anybody else? But, it's, it's a bad situation. I mean, that's what it's kind of what he's pressing on his sons. You guys are in a situation where you can't win. But does it not remind us that the need of a mediator? Because what he, in one sense, we know biblically, we all have sinned before God. We all need a mediator. And if we don't get a mediator, we're in trouble because the Lord's our judge, but he provided a mediator. It's kind of a verse that just reminds us in the Old Testament the need of Christ, the need of that Messiah, and uh, that he's going to be the answer to what uh, Eli was telling to his sons there. So I thought it's kind of a a neat uh, verse. And then he ends that verse by saying... um, that the Lord, they did not listen to the voice of the Father, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. It was not God's will, revealed will for them to do what they were doing. It was God's eternal counsel, though, that he would have let them do what they wanted to do in their rebellious heart. And he was going to judge them, because it was recorded in God's word, it was going to be an example to others, and he was going to glorify himself, not in the salvation of these men, but in the condemnation. So it reminds us, of course, of Romans chapter 9, where Paul makes the exact same point with the Pharaoh of Egypt, um, when he says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, because he was raising up not a vessel unto uh, salvation of honor, but a vessel of condemnation. Uh, he was going to, he raised up Pharaoh to condemn him, and there's a lot of people that bristle at that, if the Lord wants to save everybody, you know that he doesn't want anyone to go to hell, well, there's a sense of which God wants all men everywhere to repent, to do the right thing, but it's his will also not to bring that about in everybody. And we're seeing that here in the Old Testament. And So um, it's, it's something that we want to point out because a lot of people struggle with that. And then in verse twenty-seven, as we we pointed out before, this man comes. Eli bears part of the blame. Teaching them alone was not enough. He was responsible for discipline, especially since he was the leader here. He was a high priest. Uh, He had a responsibility, and because we understand that there sometimes parents do raise their child properly, and they they, they, they grow up to be worthless people and certainly unsaved at least and so the responsibility is to do the Lord's will to and and if you raise up a child and that child is living in sin then as a, as a parent you acknowledge that and you make sure you tell them you don't you don't try to coddle them and act like it's okay uh, and here we uh, see there's how the Lord is uh, teaching these things uh and so, with family then, blood has no bearing when it comes to doing right and dealing with the consequences of sin. In other words, just because it is family doesn't mean that you can sit by while others take care of the problem. Eli, why didn't you take care of this problem? You're the father. Eli can say, well, I'm their father. Let somebody else do it, no. uh, you know. You should do it. Not only because you're a father, but because Leadership. And there are a few things that reveal one's heart, and it's been my experience anyway, like one's willingness to stand against family and do the hard thing for the cause of Christ and do what is right. Doesn't mean that you have to just, you know, kick them to the curb and have nothing to do with them necessarily, but to stand up and say say what needs to be said, at least say uh, what they're doing is wrong and explain to them how the Lord sees these things. To be willing to suffer, uh, a break in relationship if need be, because you love the Lord so much. And because, again, the, the good, the positive part of this is because you know that's destroying their life, that if they don't repent, they're going to spend eternity in hell. So it's a positive thing. You know, it's not all about your relationship and your feelings. It's it, why well, we discipline our child, because we know that if we don't their life is going to be very difficult and who knows what consequences might be. But always want to keep that in mind. So Eli is judged because he didn't take action early on. And and say, well why? Why why do I want to risk breaking my relationship with someone I love? Because my primary goal is not to get along with family. It's a goal. I'm obviously right. Not to have a relationship with someone. That's a goal. My primary goal in life is to make the Lord's name great among the nations, To honor the Lord. And when open sin is, is being done and there's no consequences, we are dishonoring the Lord. We're saying it doesn't matter. The Lord's word doesn't matter. Even when it comes to eating fat on if that's the Lord's will, in that case, then it must be done. I want to make the Lord's name great, so we will stand for what is right. Now I think Eli was a good man. I think Eli was a believer. I believe he's in heaven. But he failed here. And we'll see next week why. I think that's one reason why I believe that. But he angers the Lord here. Because he was not, he was not committed to the Lord; he was committed to his children. And, and I've met Christians who, in watching how they live, how they speak, I see I saw a great commitment to their children or to their parents or to their family, and I did not see the same commitment to the Lord. And, and, and I don't want to be guilty of that. And I'm not saying that this is something we all struggle with. I think the Lord's being pretty clear here. He was a moral man. And we don't read about him divorcing his wife, beating his wife. We don't read about him abusing his children, other than spiritually he was abusing his children, right? And again, if you think about it biblically, you, you begin to see this. Today, many people say that if you if you apply the rod as child of but the Bible says, spare the, rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible says, no, child abuse is not training children to honor the Lord as best you can. That's child abuse. That's, that's spiritual child abuse. And again, thinking about this biblically helps us in some of these matters. So outwardly, he, he does honor the Lord. We'll, we'll see you next week when the uh, ark is captured. And eventually the ark is brought back. Um, and well, the ark is captured and his sons die in that battle. What really bothers him is that the ark was captured. Not I'm sure he wasn't happy that his sons died in battle, but he already knew that was gonna happen. Samuel tells him that we'll see that again, probably not today, but next week. And he's okay with that because it's the Lord's will, and he says as much. He, he's gonna die prematurely, and so his son, he says that's the Lord's will. Let it be done. But when the ark is captured. That's that's what killed him. You see that, and uh, so I think you know Eli's a good man. He airs here being used to teach us these things. So we're, we're we're thinking about today primarily about the judgment of Eli, and that judgment is bad parenting. So I, that's kind of my goal today is just for us as parents to think these things through and to examine. Uh, you know, how, how we're raising our children, our relationship with the Lord, and, and how we're prioritizing all these things. Um, we have too many passive fathers today. We've had passive fathers for generations. And, and all this obviously applies to mothers as well to some degree, but certainly the past, the fathers are primarily responsible here. And children who see re- religion without reality are not fooled by parents who say they're Christian but don't seem to live it in any way a church goer who doesn't practice outside the walls and I don't think anything corrupts children more than seeing a parent who has a form of religion but they know that God really doesn't mean that much to you, you don't have family devotions. You don't try to tell them about the Lord. The Lord doesn't seem to have any real part in your life until next Sunday or whatever the form might be. They know when you're practicing pious acts, but there's not in your heart. So, men, if you do not assume responsibility for shepherding your family, I think we can say the Bible is holding totally you accountable. for young men. They have a Married yet, but you hope to be. You'll have children someday. This is important. You're not ready to get married until you're ready to have children, you're ready to uh, understand your responsibility, both as a husband and as a parent. Uh, just keep this passage in mind. Um and, and that means we have to buck the trend because we're being told today, you know, that the patriarchy is bad. Not only are men uh, passive, but society is saying, don't even pretend to be the leader or, or to run things or anything like that. Just, just be, just get in the background and let your wives take over and all the different things society is telling us to do. Buck the trend, because the Lord is what tells us to do what's right and, and you'll be better for it. Uh, I was reading about, uh, you know, we've all heard of past, uh, Charles Swindoll. I, I think he's dead now or if he's not. He's Getting pretty old, right? this was some time ago. He asked a uh, Christian counselor, "What is the number one problem you face as a Christian counselor?" And, and without hesitation, he says, "Passive males." And I thought, boy, that's a interesting. You know, that what's what's a because he probably did a lot of uh, uh, marital counseling or uh, parenting counseling, all that kind of stuff. Passive males that's the number one thing we're seeing it right here right. so the Lord rehearses how gracious he had been to not only Israel and bring them out of Egypt but to Eli and all that he had blessed him with the position that he had and yet the consequences are severe because they did not take the Lord seriously um, and, and, and again it seems like so many of us within our hearts I know we all struggle sometimes with this that Eli has taken the high road. He didn't judge. He was just going to be nice and loving and just hope that the Lord will, you know, take care of this. And, and you know, sometimes that's that's what we have to do, right? But as a parent, no. And as the high priest, no. Uh, it was his responsibility to do the hard thing. That And, and that's what we call hard love, right? Uh, tough love. Sometimes you have to do those things that's what, uh, and, and by not doing that his his boys fall into grave sin but they're, they're saying the same thing about God's glory that it doesn't matter, it's not about making God's name great. it's about doing what we want to do and of course we know, we'll see this more next week Eli was a very heavy man and it, it comes into play with, with how he dies but I wonder if the reason this is brought out to us, because as a rule you don't Usually, read about people who wrote the scripture, right? but here you do because, and, and this is what the, the man tells Eli: it's not just that your sons are dipping in there, eating that uh, fatty meat; they're bringing it home, and you're enjoying it. And maybe that's he was heavy because of that very reason. He had, was partaking in his son's sin. So I think there's a something here that reminds us that, that Eli is it's not just about not saying anything. He's partaking in. He's benefiting from it, and that makes it even worse. Well, we find out here that um, God uh, says that because of this, your family should one day be removed from even being part of the uh, priesthood and, and serving in the temple. Uh, and there's a couple of verses I wanted to look at. First of all, chapter 22 we see this uh, I'll take place. First Samuel chapter 22. And this is good to always see because it reminds us that every word the Lord utters is going to be true. It is true. And if it's a promise to do something, it's going to happen. We can take that to the bank. 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 18. We'll read down to verse 20. This is when Saul is after David King or David and then the king, that is, King Saul, said to Doag, you turn and strike the peace. And Doag the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, because they had helped David. So here we see part of Eli's family being slaughtered for the time through Saul. And he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, nah, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman and child and infant, ox, donkey, sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of uh, Ahitza, uh, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar is, is interesting here, because, okay, of, of Eli's line, Abiathar, uh, escapes and continues to serve, uh, in the priest, as the high priest, I believe, under David. So, so, he's, he's left of all of Eli's family, so we, we kind of see the prophecy coming true. But then, when uh, David dies and Solomon uh, takes the throne, there was a little bit of a, there were a few people, Joab and, and some, who tried to uh, uh, have somebody else become the king, one, uh, the other, another son of David, not Solomon. So Solomon uh, puts to death some of the uh, ones who did that. And to Abiathar the priest, so is the priest at this time, the king said, go to Anathoth, your estate, for you deserve that But I will not at this time put you to death because you carried the ark of the Lord of God before David my father, because you shared in all my father's afflictions. But he was faithful to David. It's just that he was faithful to another one of David's sons after David died. So Solomon expelled Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli. So just you know, Lord said, "I want you all to remember I, I, that that wasn't some obscure place, way back when. If if God said it and it was going on, then uh, we have to make sure uh, to understand that it's all going to be brought to pass, just as the Lord said. The Lord doesn't forget. So it was fitting that Hophni and Phineas were killed. It, you know, it, it wasn't a harsh judgment by all. They threatened to stop anybody who threatened to." Who questioned what they were doing? They threatened, maybe not to kill, but they they were going to take it by force. They were monsters. And so it been disclosed by again comforting us to know that you know sometimes we get taken uh, advantage of like that. You know, we this man is taking his uh, offering to the Lord, and the uh, these guys are stealing from it and not really letting him do what he should do, worshiping get taken advantage of. There are always someone out there who's strong, who thinks that they, they don't answer to the Lord and do whatever they want to do. There, there's so many people out there who think that might makes right. If I can do it, I can get away with it and I'm going to do it. They take advantage of us. We get mistreated. The Lord sees it. They didn't get by with anything. Nothing goes unnoticed. Before, Eli's family ate the fat as if nothing else mattered, but the day was coming, as we read here in verse 36, and everyone who is left in your house will come to implore him, for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, please put me in in one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread. They were reduced to beggars. And, uh, so, again, I find comfort in that. And so, Verse twenty-seven. How does this take place? Well, this this man, a mysterious man, an unnamed man, comes and relates God's will to him. Who he is, this is important. Is that he is faithful to do what Eli wasn't faithful to do, and to proclaim God's word faithfully. And so it's a word of judgment, but in judgment, there's also mercy because it's paving the way for Samuel to take his place as prophet judge and so um this is the end of verse 35 where it says part of that prophecy is i will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind and i will build him a sure house and he will go in and out before me my anointed forever and that's an interesting um verse because uh zadok a lot of commentators will say well this is and Zadok, who, was, who Solomon put in, in Abathar's place, Abathar's place. And I think that certainly as many prophecies, there is a, a primary or a, a fulfillment, physical fulfillment, but there's a secondary, there's something about this that makes us think, Man, there's, there's got to be more to this than just Zadok, a priest coming under Solomon. <clears throat> it seems hard not to see that there's something more here uh, Zanach would not be serving forever before Solomon. Uh, they would not be an uh, eternal priesthood in, by So we see here, 2 Samuel 7, 16, this is the Lord speaking to, uh, David. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Mm-hmm. Your throne shall be established forever. Well that made sure forever is what we read here. So here is the Lord's saying, I'm going to raise up a faithful priest who shall be, serve me forever. David is saying that in David, I'm going to raise up a faithful king who will serve me forever, right? A sure king, sure, forever before me. And so I think what we see here is that Jesus, obviously, who is going to be raised up, who's going to be a, the, the combination of the king and priest. In, in the Old Testament, it was an abomination to, to, for a priest be a king, or for a king to do priestly duties, and uh, they were judged if they tried it. And why? Well, because there's only going to be one king-priest, that's going to be Jesus Christ, who's going to build this kingdom uh forever, but he's going to build the kingdom by being a high priest and uh, save us from our sins, right? So both of those works of Christ uh, as a prophet, priest, and king, I think they're being looked forward to. So as we close in in Isaiah uh Six, one, these are familiar verses, but I think it, it comes into play, does it not? Where it says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, says the Lord. But, as great, as, as transcendent as He is, He's near, he, He's, he's very interested in each of us in our heart. This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and the in spirit. And that is shown when he trembles at my word. Eli didn't tremble at his word. His son surely didn't tremble at his word. And, uh, so this verse was being acted out for us in our text today. Eli, his son. We'll Bless to you today. Like you to thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to uh, i say not just take your word seriously, but Lord, help us to love you supremely so that we will take your word seriously. Help us, Lord, to be concerned with making your name great, whether it be in our families, our, with our children, with our spouses, in our church, uh, those that we are around on a weekly basis, Lord, may these things be important to us so that we might gain eternal reward and uh, hear the well done and give faithful to Jesus' name we pray.